is the bloody disgusting podcast network. Hello, everyone. The clip you're about to hear is from one of our exclusive Patreon episodes on a recent horror release. And just like all of our other episodes, it might include major spoilers for said horror release. So don't listen to it if you haven't already seen it. You've officially been warned. And if you'd like to hear the full episode, just head on over to patreon.com backslash horrorqueers and subscribe today. Without further ado, here is your exclusive Patreon clip. Okay, so let's talk about this talk pro-life about that pro-life stuff. Yeah, <laughs> which I'm really I must have which been comes s- through like a full on. Oh, there's no ambiguity about that. Hits you over the head with it, and it's so funny. So, listeners, you'll hear in the mini so that there were actually two pro-life movies at Fantastic Fest. Mm-hmm. One of them was really fun and good. The other one and was then this. there's this one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. I do want to make one thing clear. No, like, pro-life, like, whatever. Like, I mean, I myself am pro-choice. But if you're pro-life, if that's your stance, like, I'm not going to, like, you know, criticize you for that. Like, I believe everyone should believe what they want to believe, whatever. Unless it's, like, about hate. Yeah, that's called pro-choice, Trace. You can actually be, like, a pro-keep-the-baby, pro-give-it-up-for-adoption. That doesn't make you pro-life. That actually makes you pro-choice because you're saying, hey, whatever choice works best for you. Right. I guess that's, that's the true. problem with pro-lifers. Yeah. Is that they only see the one choice as, as adequate. And they're fucking assholes about it. Even if it was a product of rape or incest or if, like, you know, you're not yep. financially capable of taking care of the baby. Like, yeah, it's like, nope, no, you gotta have that baby. Yeah. But not getting into politics of it. Well, except for what this, <laughs> what this home was about to say. <laughs> right. So, okay. First, Exhibit A, you have Travis being punished repeatedly and also left to die at the end of the movie and making the ultimate sacrifice to save his mm-hmm. uh, ex-girlfriend. And be the better person by even saving the person who tried to murder him. Yes, because he wanted her to have an abortion. That, in and of itself, is yeah. his sin in this movie. It is the equivalent of, you know, a teenager having sex in the 80s slashers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he deserves to die. He deserves to die. Yes, exactly. And then, oh, and this actually pissed me off even more, with the endings, like when, when Tobin, like, you know, stops him from going to the grass, all of a sudden, Becky just all of a sudden is oh, like... I'm going to keep this kid now. I'm going to keep the kid. <laughs> <laughs> and what, like, they're going to adopt Tobin? What the well, fuck? And it doesn't make any sense, though, because it's like, okay, I buy it maybe, like, you know, in the middle of the movie when she's, like, ta- crying in the grass with Tobin, and she's like, you know, I've accepted my fate, but I wish I had this family. That makes sense. Sure. But the Becky at the end of this movie doesn't have that experience. She hasn't gotten on that journey at all. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, well, I'm going to keep this baby and adopt this dirty child that we just found. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> who seems to only just want to get in our car. We've never met him before, but he's like, hey, yeah. don't go into the grass, just get back in the car, and also take yeah. me with you. And he has, like, her necklace, which has blood on it, which is, okay, fine. But I don't sure. buy for one second that that necklace is going to make her all of a sudden want to not give this baby up for adoption. <laughs> right. Oh, wow, you found my necklace. Hmm. All of a sudden I'm feeling like I should become a teen mother. Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay, that's the brunt of it. What are your thoughts on just the movie taking this stance? Or do you think the movie is actually taking this stance? Do you think Natalie thought about it before he wrote it? Or, like, I don't know. It's hard to assume. I think if you wanted to play devil's advocate, you could say that Cal ends up looking like more of a villain, and he's the person who's actively trying to get Becky to keep the child and be, you know, like a good mother or whatever. Right. I mean, you could just as easily say it's because he wants to park her because he's in love with her, but uh, I don't know. I was deeply uncomfortable with this idea 
I mean, we've seen plenty of horror films that are all focused on the family and parents making sacrifices for their children. Like The Babadook is all about a mother who basically hates her child and has to learn, oh, it's okay if your child is a fucking prick. I see, but it's like rightfully so. She hates that child rightfully so. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, there's another mini-sode. The worst children in horror movies. <laughs> Oh my god, I cannot watch it. I actually do need to watch The Babadook again, because I've only seen it once, and I was very underwhelmed with it, and so I think if I watch it again, I might appreciate it more. I mean, it's a very well-made film, but that child... <laughs> there's an active hate fan base for that child. But by design, that child is supposed to be terrible. It's not like they accidentally made him terrible. They weren't. He wasn't yeah. supposed to come across as endearing. No, no. The child is supposed to be, yeah, as you said, actively terrible. <laughs> but I don't know. There's something about the way that this film treats it like he's making the ultimate right sacrifice for his family you know like the whole film basically the argument ends up becoming that it's not just his penance and that he deserves to die for trying to get becky to have an abortion but also that this whole act of dying and re you know people coming back to life like it's all been for the purpose of creating this life well, yeah, so like then if you go with Patrick Wilson's like, oh, The Rock drew you here to like to bring us all together. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So The Rock was actually doing this to make sure that she wouldn't give that baby up for adoption. <laughs> yep. And to kill this guy who wanted her to have an abortion. Yeah, that is a, a weird, uncomfortable message to be having in your made-for-Netflix horror film in 2019. Well, he basically touches The Rock. Because Patrick Wilson's yeah. Yeah, Travis says. Because Patrick Wilson says, oh, you'll learn how to get out, but you won't be able to leave. Yes. So he touches it, and then that's how he gets Tobin out. But I'm also like, what? Makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. Well, because none of the rules of this entire world make sense. Like, they're never elaborated on. And as you said before, you know, the ambiguity, I think, is meant to be frightening or unnerving. But it just means that the film gets to also make up rules. Like, hey, now all of a sudden I can teleport other people. Disgusting Podcast Network, home of creepy, disturbing, and terrifying creepy pastas, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, Sephora queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.